A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Controversial subjects with the facts can be tense. But we are ASAP Science here to make things make Today, we are talking about anxiety with Laura DIY. We're going to talk about the way it looks in your brain neurophysiologically, how people with anxiety disorders perceive other people's faces, and whether or not these calming apps work. <laughs> Clearly, this episode's for me. <laughs> oh my God, I have anxiety too. We find that out. Huh? Oh, true. Okay. I have my version of it too. Gosh, yeah, that's huh? true. Everyone suffers with anxiety to some degree. Yes. It's a normal human behavior. Um, but yes, you do have more in general. And, <laughs> and I just know everyone's always like, here goes a bitch again talking about anxiety. Do people say that in the comments? Yeah, in, in nice ways, though. It's often yeah. people who are also experiencing anxiety and are mostly being like, I have that exact same thing. I so think I'm so you. annoying. I'm like, I'm happy. Everything's <laughs> fine. <laughs> I'm going to get hit by a bus, probably, because I'll be like, I'll just run across the street. Uh, well, that has nothing to do with anxiety, luckily. <laughs> well, it sort of does in the sense that anxiety is rooted in fear, and fear is really important to stop oh, you from I running see. in front of a bus. Like an evolutionary trait. Got it. Um, <clears throat> you ready to have a throat? great weekend, Craig? Oh, we're going there. <laughs> so Mitch is kicking me out of our home. I am not. <laughs> we have been stuck in a home together for a year and a half, and and that's beautiful as well as traumatizing, as I'm sure many traumatizing. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. The adjective used. Um, truly, <laughs> sincerely, I we just like it would be nice to miss each other. We just realized. Yes, we are in couples therapy, as should. Every couple be IMO, but uh, we've been a therapist. As should every single person. If they, should, if everyone they... should be in ther- therapy, but actually just do couples therapy with your friend. It'll just yeah. make the relationship beautiful. <laughs> um, everyone's like, we're not so rich. We just pay for therapy <laughs> out of our yin yangs. But our therapist was like, you know what? Actually, it was like, Mitch, maybe you should check yourself into a hotel. And then they both kind of looked at me and Mitch was like, well, I want to be at home. And I'm like, I guess I'm going to a hotel. So I'm checking myself into the Drake Hotel, which I've never been to. And I didn't even know you were allowed to do in a pandemic. But here we go. Risking my life. No, risking your life. You have a vaccine. I'm just going to stay in the room. The cases are going down. It's going to be fine. It's the summer. I love that. You're not going to see anyone. I'm like, I guess I'm going to go pack my bag, bike like for five minutes (laughs) and then go lock myself in a room. It's going to be so nice. No, it will be nice to miss each other. And then we'll miss each other. Um, No, it's a cute cute idea, but like... It is insane. (laughs) I was looking up like what you could... They're like, everything's closed. You can order room service. But like, you know what I mean? It's like... I'm just going to sit in a room. <laughs> so I was like, I don't want to go. <laughs> I know. I want to be, I'm just going to use the really nice shampoo over and over. And they're like, they're like, girl, there's no one's coming to clean your room. Like, that's what I'm, I'm like, I guess I'll make my bed all day and just be like, learn how to do it the hotel oh way. Oh my gosh. Well, speaking of anxiety, I, it would give me anxiety to go and be in a hotel alone for some reason. I know. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm like, I'm getting kicked out of my home. But also I wanted to be able to work on music and all my stuff's here. So I was just, you know, I'm the needy selfish one yeah i'm like funny i kind of want to paint guess i can't bring my paints with me (laughs) okay no we're gonna rotate it eventually i'll go to one if it works and i don't come back being like that was the most like it was jail (laughs) (laughs) true at this point it basically is jail it's like people are being forced to do that after they arrive in canada you know one thing i think though when i'm stressed like i just drove by a jail which i didn't realize existed in the west end of toronto what gorgeous building it's like it's like off why do you say what? There's jails. I have no idea. What no, that I is. guess I was surprised too. I was like, that's a. It, it had a specific name. It was almost like it was like a holding jail for like when people are in court or something before okay. they go to like a real jail. It was gorgeous, From designed by I don't know some like Frank Gehry or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> it was surprised. so nice, and then I was like feeling kind of stressed, and I was like, it would be kind of nice to not have to work. <laughs> and just like get some, like, I'm like a Canadian jail, jail? <laughs> like and I'm like and I and then it's just like you go to the library, you read a lot, then you've gone to jail, so you've learned a lot. You come out of jail, 
growth must have happened. Okay, maybe this is a bit... Uh, maybe we should keep going. I think we should keep going. Let me know if you also feel like going to jail. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, what did we learn this week? Uh, so I learned about garlic mustard, Ooh. which is a... I love both. Are, is that one thing? It's one thing. Holy crap, Mitch. You're going to freaking love this thing. Does it taste like both? Okay, it smells like garlic. Okay. It doesn't taste like either but it is edible okay. but it's also it's called garlic mustard and again i went on this nature hike with miles hearn been talking about it a lot and it's also like just been really fun this week i've been going on more hikes with my friend who came with me and we're just like garlic mustard <laughs> like skunk spotting, cabbage mean? Oh, I see. burdock like just like trying to like name them and i always go mustard garlic and he was always just like it's not that it's garlic <laughs> mustard so garlic mustard so it is this invasive plant that came from it's from Europe. It's native to Europe. Came to North America in the 1800s as an edible herb. So they brought it as something Just on to boats eat. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, on boats. And to no feed, planes. To, to, true. The Wright brothers had not taken flight <laughs> on boats. Okay, they brought it purposely. And they were like, this is yummy. Do you want some? Want to buy it? They were just like an edible herb, and it's the 1800s. So I'm like, I guess they were like, you know, there was no McDonald's. There was like, ooh, yum, <laughs> garlic mustard. But now it's like, ooh, this has roughage on the mouth. <laughs> but it's high in vitamin A, high in vitamin C. It has a strong scent of garlic when you mm. kind of crush it and rip it up. Okay. It's every where like when you're on these hikes it's crazy i also posted a photo of me pretending to pluck a trillium and being like don't don't send me to jail rob ford even though or doug ford even though i want to go um and everyone was like there's garlic mustard around there pick the garlic mustard it's because you might as well it's so invasive so it's what's oh, killing the trilliums and it's it what it does is it actually really messes with the soil eco the fungi soil ecosystems of so many native plants it's absolutely taken over. The seeds can be left dormant for 30 years and then still grow. It's like Whoa. super um, strong and resilient robust. as a plant. Robust, if you say. And it's not a source of food for native wildlife. Like it's just, there's no predator to it. It's just, it's real. Everyone like quote unquote, if you're going to hate a plant, hate this plant, but it's edible. It has lots of nutrients. So I haven't done it yet, but my plan is to like, maybe I'll do it while I'm alone at this hotel, cut some garlic mustard, make a little saladio and help the general sort I of environment. I would love that. I yeah. thought the other day, remember I was gardening. I left, I, you had there was garlic mustard on, under on, the Japanese maple. Yeah, and I put it on the table, and it, I guess it went into the garbage. Oh my god! <laughs> because I, that I, was because you were gonna eat it. No, no, I. I That's so funny. I was like, why the you hell had did you not throw this out? Garlic mustard, and then <laughs> I thought you had maybe casually said maybe that's it so when i picked it i was like oh i should leave this out just in case but then i oh, guess i never asked you my god it. i was like is he sunning i was like what is he doing i'm like is he and i'm I like he it. threw all the other weeds out why because i was this? curious to ask you if oh that was gosh, it and it had it such an intense root on it like it was like a ginger yeah that thing's gonna take over all the also it's like how the hell did that garlic mustard get there I do not know. that The seeds get pushed around. It's another reason why you shouldn't go off trails because when you go off trails, you start you knocking all the mustard seeds over. Uh, boom, boom, boom. They're called the trilliums. Well, so I was prepared to eat that if you told <laughs> oh me. So God, anyway, I'm I'll so keep an eye out for it next time and we will eat it together. It's all over High Park. It's all over Ontario. And it is just, you know, it's a it's a bad guy. By Billy and Eilish. for sure, for sure, we can safely just tick it and eat it. And yeah, but no, there are other and we're plants. we're not going to mix it up with something that's like, no, I mean, obviously, like, it's, like, maybe a dog's peed on it, like, depending oh, on where right. you are. Yeah, you can wash but it, But it's um, also, there are some other plants that look like it, like it, but once you Google garlic mustard or do your little Google lens thing on your phone, it's it very obvious. Okay. It's everywhere. And so I think we can all collectively pick it and do our part and freaking eat it. Crush it with our dang teeth. Okay. I'm excited to try that. Um. All right. I learned that this happened, I think, now a few weeks back or maybe a month or so. Scientists have created the whitest paint ever. Wait, really? Uh, yes. They previously had already done that. So it's just like, okay. I what love else is how new? someone made a white paint and other scientists came in and were like, oh, it's actually, actually whiter. So it was last October. <laughs> ultra white paint was created which at the time was the whitest it was kind of, you may have heard of vanta black which is the blackest black i think it yeah. absorbs like 99.9 percent .9 of light oh, so cool um and so this white paint reflects so much light that they the ambient temperature ends up cooler than the 
or it ends up cooler than the ambient te- temperature surrounding wow. it. Wow. And so the October paint used calcium carbonate, which is found in chalk and is 95.5% reflective. But this new one that is being released, they tested it with barium sulfate and it was 98.1% of light. Is oh, reflective. barium sulfate came in and kicked it out. She is flashing everyone. <laughs> like, and it's made with Greg's skin. <laughs> the whitest thing this um, planet's ever seen. And th- they tested it uh, during strong sunlight noon hours. Material covered in this new paint was four and a half degrees Celsius cooler than the ambient temperature, which is wow. a lot. That's cool. Huh? Put that on all of our buildings. Exactly. That's It says this could be a game changer in the fight against global uh, warming. The paint could be used to cool buildings instead of air conditioners. It directly sends off all the heat to the deep space. I love that. I want to see sci-fi movies in the future have so many white painted buildings. That's true. And everyone be like, why? And then the director's and then, like, actually. Yeah, it's a bit of an Easter egg. <laughs> but if you do know about ultra white, it's been replaced with the barium white. Because the, uh, yeah, the city especially with so many buildings, it's just like concrete. Just Give me, away. like, if you put another blue glass building in Toronto, <laughs> I'm going to flick your dang forehead. It's probably the only thing I can do without going to jail, although I want to go to jail. I want to get this paint just for fun. We should try it and see what it looks Blinded like. Blinded by the white. Um, that is really freaking cool. And do you just remember, like, I just, I obviously, we are in the job we in, love science. I just remember that's an early science lesson about, like, the way that white reflects light and the way that mm. black absorbs light. And I just always remember like when we go on field trips, I'd be like, hmm, where'd you wear a black shirt? Yeah. yeah. I'm wearing white. Cause did you know? It helps to kill off the- <laughs> and it's just like, shut up, Greg. I, like, know. I, have I, so I always, I don't forget that, but I often wear all black clothes. Like I'll have my black shorts and black t-shirt okay. and then I will be Horny. so hot. <laughs> Sexy is but what it, I but mean. it's like black is very flattering and black is black is sexy. True. I like white as well, but I'm just surprised you wear white because you spill everything on. Oh, yourself. and the pit stains that I have. Yeah, it looks like a baby vomited in my armpit. For you, also zebra zebra. It's like they got best of both worlds. Zebra. That is how the rest of the world says it. They say zebra. You were living like in England. Debra. Yeah, zeb- zebra. <laughs> Ew, I, I hate think that. British people, Australian people, Scottish people, South African. Like, I think a lot of accents say zebra. I look at the zebra. <laughs> no. Although I do kind of want to call Debras from now on Debras. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my good. God. Hey, Debra. Oh it's been a few God. months. Okay. Well, let's jump into some anxiety chat with Lord DIY Our after. Real good friend, Lord DIY. We do start this conversation by just being like, hey, what's up? <laughs> okay. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been listening to Side Note, you know here at this fine podcast that we love to talk about therapy. We're always bringing the new insights we learn from therapy to the pod. That's why today we want to talk about BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your personal needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist that you can start communicating with when under within under 40 within under 40 freaking hours. Yeah, I stuttered it was that quick. <laughs> the canceling is done securely online and is available worldwide. Not only can you schedule weekly video or phone sessions skipping the long commute and waiting room energy of the in-person therapy experience, but you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor and get time timely and thoughtful responses. BetterHelp lets you change counselors at any time, which is really important. It can be really annoying to find the right one for you. So you'll always get a great therapeutic match and it's more affordable than traditional online counseling with financial aid available. Just head to betterhelp.com slash side note to get 10% off your first month. That also helps the show by doing that and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionales. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash side note for 10% off your first freaking month. 
Hello, Lauren, <laughs> our queen, aka Lore DIY on YouTube, but we know her as Lauren. Okay, <laughs> We're on a first name basis, actually. <laughs> Thank you for coming to the pod. Hello. Hi, guys. I miss you guys so much. Yes, you. we're separated by a giant mass of land and a bunch of anti-vaxxers and anti-maxxers all the way between, probably. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, 100%. Love that for all of us, except for not. Yeah, exactly. Well, at least it's we're starting to come out of this. I don't know when this mm -hmm. pod's coming out, but hopefully by the time it comes out, we'll be even feeling more optimistic. Love it. Yes. Yes, please. Well, because Lauren is originally from Toronto, but she's what we call a trader, and she decided to <laughs> move to Los Angeles, La La Land, for some freaking reason. I don't know, maybe 24 hours a day sun. Imagine. No, 12 hours a day sun. 365 days a week, uh, year sun. Is Get it your vitamin D. Also, I really was like, I knew this was coming, but I just didn't think it'd be in the first two and a half minutes. So here we are. But I was prepping for <laughs> the getting Toronto this trader heat. subject. I was, yeah, it, it comes up always, every single time. But also, you guys thought about coming here for like a few months out of the year. That's yeah, we true. did. And then we a global did. pandemic hit and we had, <laughs> and to, we had to raise home. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh yeah. my God, that's right. We saw you Sprinting right before home. we fled. Yeah, truly yeah. right before we escaped America, we had just seen you. Um, <laughs> oh my God. I want to just make sure for anyone who doesn't know, give us your like one line, two line spiel. Who are you? What do you do? Oh yeah, true. I feel like I never <laughs> ask you this. Yeah. What's oh, your deal? I'm also are so you? bad at like giving a bio. Um, my name is Lauren or otherwise known as Lauren. DIY on YouTube. I am like a DIY and lifestyle creator and also host and executive producer of HBO Max, which yeah. is HBO Max of all the whole oh, platform. Yeah, yeah, she owns HBO. <laughs> of uh, Craftopia on HBO Max and Crave in Canada. Yes. Nice. Uh, queen of HBO Max. Yes. I love that. You moved to LA, you got to take over all of HBO Max. <laughs> I have all the whole platform. I love Craftopia. Oh my gosh, speaking of, okay, we're today we're talking about anxiety. I love mm -hmm. it so much. And then I also get so much anxiety for the kids on it. And oh I'm like, God. do you get anxiety? Like, I'm like so watching. curious about, like, that was, it's, they're so talented and so cute. And they're some of them so cute. And I also feel like at that age, you haven't worked under that kind of pressure because, like, being on a, like, a competition show, like, you're working to the clock, right? And, like, they're so young. They're on set with their parents, which is really cute. But, like, still, like, working under that kind of pressure is, like, like, I had anxiety watching them have anxiety <laughs> because, like, you, I mean, it's just, it's so, it's probably like one of the biggest opportunities they've ever had in their entire life. And they're so excited. They're so enthusiastic. And like, we had a few, we had a few criers who just got so overwhelmed. They had a little breakdown, and, but they'd be like, they'd be like crafting and crying. They'd be like, I just don't know. I have no time. And it was so sweet. Oh my God. They were so cute. Well, speaking of all that anxiety, what, what, pro so you've, we've chosen and you've chosen anxiety for our topic mm -hmm. today. What is your relationship to that? Why did you want to talk about it? <laughs> I'm a big old anxious bitch. And <laughs> it's like, it's honestly part of my brand at this point that not that I like make, uh, like I'm not making anxiety a commodity, but I've just been so transparent about my anxiety journey because I think without it on like the outside, you would just be like, oh, like you live in LA, you make YouTube videos, like you go on vacation. And that's just like <laughs> not the reality of my life. Yeah. Like it just controls every element of what I do. And it's been something that I've like, you know, has up and downs, ebbs and flows for the last 10 years. I've been on a handful of different medications. I've tried a bunch of different therapies. And um, yeah, I just feel like I've, I've been around the block many times with it. And I try and advocate for uh, normalizing it and yeah. Um, yeah, just making it more of a common thing. That's amazing. And like, I think it's funny because on this podcast, I, I mean, in life, I'm also out of the two of us, the very anxious one. And everyone who watches and listens is like, <laughs> always knows. But I see a lot of people <laughs> relating. And I think it is important to be able to talk about it openly. And not to say you don't get anxiety. No, I know. Obviously. I feel so weird because I'm like, I obviously like, I no, you're a normal like, human who has like I, a normal Like if I go anxiety. near the side of a cliff, I'm like not going to jump off. Like anxiety <laughs> is like helping me like not like, you know, I'm anxious about Die. certain things. Okay. But by definition, like Nature Magazine's definition is Anxiety is characterized by excessive uneasiness, apprehension, or dread. It can be generalized or be directed towards specific things, usually imagined or exaggerated threats. And then an anxiety disorder, which over which 7 million people in America have, which is like an incredible amount, 
It means you have excessive anxiety more days than not for at least six months. So it's that parameter that I start to check out and say, like, I don't. Right. You don't. But so do you guys both sort of feel that? Like, it's 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 that, like, I'm just now asking you guys questions because I'm like, I know I don't feel that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I personally for sure do. Like, it, it is something that, like, it's the first thing I think about when I wake up and, like, the last thing I think about before I go to sleep. Like, it's something that is just, like, so, uh, uh, like, encompassing. And so, like, one of the big parts about ther- therapy and medication for me is that it helps be more manageable, but it really does control, like, so much of my day and, like, what I can and can't do. Um, but yeah, Mitch, yeah, I would say like, cause obviously there's like a rolling scale of where people fit and I have never Mm. been officially diagnosed and I have not used meds. Yes. There's been times like I I go to therapy and I have talked about whether or not it's worth it, uh, for me or whether it's like the right decision, but I never have. So I, I also like try to tread the line of being like, I I don't want to overexpress that I'm anxious, but I'm definitely a neurotic person, like Mm. overthink things all the time and have a lot of tendencies that most of my friends would say like I'm an anxious person even though in many right. ways and I'm sure for, for you as well many ways people on the outside in would be like you're totally confident you have your amazing work ethic you're motivated like there are these traits that of course like you can be more multifaceted than just being anxious um, totally definitely it's a thing that I just realize more and more like controls so much of my life even when I don't realize it so when you say right. the first thing you think about when you wake up and you go to sleep like what I'm just, I'm genuinely curious and I don't want to be the annoying person. He's like, so what's it like to have anxiety? <laughs> but like, but like, Must what? be fucking nice. <laughs> I'm just like, what does that mean? Like, I'm so annoying when I wake up. I'm like, pep in nine step. I'm like, can I have a shower? And maybe I'm going to like, go pick some dandelion. But like, what does so, that mean? So like, I have a generalized anxiety disorder that like comes with a specific phobia. So for me, it's called emetophobia, which is like an irrational fear of like, feeling sick, throwing up, like feeling out of control when you like, yeah. So like the same way that like a sneeze is kind of like involuntary. Right. And like you, it's not something you ever think about, but like just so you had like an enormous fear and irrational fear against sneezing, you'd be like, when is it coming? Am I going to sneeze today? Like what will happen if I sneeze around other people and how will it affect them? So it, that's like a, a metaphor for like how people kind of like cope and deal with like emetophobia. So like it's avoidance of a food if it ever makes you feel sick it would be potentially avoiding like a really spinny roller coaster if that's something that you know you can't handle or makes you dizzy because you're like oh this will make me dizzy and that'll make me feel sick and then what if i throw up mm-hmm. you know what i mean and then it goes down a whole other line of like what if i get sick i need to go home but i came to disneyland with all my friends and then i have to make everyone else leave <laughs> early and i feel really like you know what I mean? it's just like a trick yeah. a chain reaction of events so again like meds and therapy make it more manageable but it's like the root cause for me is like an irrational fear that is um again irrational and that's like the hardest part is that like when you think about it you're like if your body's gonna throw up like you're just gonna throw up and like i've had food poisoning in the past and like the throwing up portion is i don't mind it you know what i mean like it happens and i'm like oh i just threw up like whatever (laughs) but it's like the anticipatory anxiety that can control people's life when there's that specific phobia. And again, super irrational because you're not going to die. Like you're not going to, it's not the end of the world, but wow. it can have such a hold on your life. Yeah. It's wow. so interesting. That's how, such a good way of explaining yeah, it. That was and so much of it is a fear about the, the fear about the anxiety. Like it's not necessarily right. the thing, but it's like, am I going to have a panic attack in a situation? Like randomly when I was younger, I had panic attacks. My first one was while I was driving on the highway in a car and you know, you kind of think you're dying or something. And then every time I was in a car, I would be like so stressed being like, if that happens again, you're like scared you're going to spiral or get in a car accident or something crazy is going to happen. And so ultimately then the car starts to be like this trigger that can either trigger you into a panic attack or just have you being afraid of it the whole time. Yeah, hundred percent. And like, that's a big thing too with like avoidance is that you have to find the balance between like, like, for example, I'm an anxious traveler, but I love being on vacation and going places. So, like, I just have to kind of, like, push myself to, like, mm. get on an airplane and, like, go on adventures and stuff like that. Because, like, I value the vacation more than just avoiding that for the rest of my life. Wow. So, a lot of this, it says it's controlled by your amygdala. <laughs> Here I am trying to tell you guys, like, and your hypothalamus. And so, it, it, it kind of makes sense. It's a really important part of our brain to, like, be anxious and to try and, like, you know understand threats in life that's like how we stay Mm -hmm. alive as humans and so it is a really 
fascinating concept because it's something that our brains do well, but I guess, and we now know in our lives, it's like very complicated. There are some genetic components to it. And when it comes to like a lot of the studying of anxiety is through OCD, which is an extreme version of it, where they find that the serotonin, like within the synapses of your brain, they get re like it's called like SSRIs are serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So what happens is that the serotonin is mm-hmm. getting re taken back into the original neuron too quickly. So the serotonin is actually not staying in the like synaptic cleft for long enough. And that's what happens in OCD, but it's likely what's going on in parts of people's brains with generalized anxiety disorder. And that's why people go on SSRIs so that in theory, the serotonin literally stays in the cleft for longer to fire for longer. So it's like, an interesting way when you look at the neurology to under to to like validate and be like okay this is like a genuine like disease in many ways for our lives now like there are neurological reasons why these things like happen and like i just like i'm it's just so so interesting because it's such an important thing but then when you hear about like i'm so happy you're able to go on vacation still and i'm sure there are people who just like can't it, it, totally. it really gets painted as this like dark thing in our society but it's also like really important you know what i mean like in a way in a way it's just like such a weird balance and there's also so many unknowns it's there is a a genetic portion do you guys have relationships like with your parents where you're like oh maybe they're anxious too like is it something you feel you can relate to with your families yeah so my dad is like the uh has never experienced anxiety and so like Hmm. a lot of like my anxiety relationship with him is getting him to understand the difference between being stressed being nervous and being anxious because i feel like those like obviously can all go hand in hand but are entirely different so again it like comes back to like the irrational portion of it because he's like well how can you get up on stage and speak in front of 10,000 people, but you're so scared about getting sick when you leave the house. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's having him understand that there are severe differences and it comes, I'm sure from different parts of the brain and how it's all wired. But, um, my mom is definitely very, very type a. And so I think that if she had, gone through the same life experiences that I have and not to be like, I have so much trauma, but like there's been a few like major events in my life that have, I think, you know, wired uh, in a, a weird way to create these irrational links to things that have happened. And so we always say that like my mom and I are so similar that had she gone through the same experiences, she very well could have ended up in a similar position. Hmm. So wow. do you, do you so see your mom like expressing that anxiety or do you think it was like the combination of like the things that happened in your life that like made it express or are you like, oh no, my mom has the same kind of anxiety? No, I, I think it's more just that like I like just working through therapy, like, you know, you create, you you link things together. Yeah. You're like, oh, like I see, see where it. this started. Yeah. I see like how I like I, I created this as a pattern in my life. Um, because she's more of someone who's just like, can get stressed easily, but not someone who really, really has like debilitating anxiety the way that like I would describe myself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I've always, like, I definitely think I can see, I feel like I got different types of anxiety from each parent. <laughs> but neither, A nice like, little blend. Like, yeah, swirl. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, neither, I don't find, like, I am an anxious person. I don't think it's like overly severe. Like there's not... Actually, there are cases when it is like debilitating um, and weird things around like claustrophobia or fears of being in certain mm-hmm. spaces and being like stuck and stuff. And I, I'm sure those like are not exactly anxiety, but kind of are. Um, no, they are. Um, agoraphobia the, is like one yeah, of them. Yeah, I guess it's just like irrational yeah. fears ultimately come totally. down to like an anxiousness where exactly the same thing. Mm. I'm like, I can stop and like rationally and rationalize that it's not something to be afraid of. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I see from my mama more like, like I'm weirdly neurotic about the way things are, right? So it makes me anxious right. if things are not a certain way, and it's so nice when like the house looks a certain way or like everything's organized a certain way. Doesn't um, help that I'm a slob. <laughs> and then like a for slob. my dad, it's like the neurotic anxiety of like thinking about things too deeply, like over worrying mm-hmm. about what I'm saying or if I'm bothering people around me. Like I have like a really weird like noise anxiety like I hate to feel like I'm disturbing people that are in the neighborhood right. or like and which is challenging with Greg because he <laughs> loves loud noise um he is a loud person but also like loves blasting music and just living life and, and it's a quality that I aspire to and love yeah but if we're yeah. in a park he's gonna want to have music a speaker playing. and I'm gonna have worked on that playlist for three days <laughs> right 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 so you need to hear it yeah, yeah. but I'm like but not everyone I have headphones on it. with my own playlist sadly while Mitch like <laughs> listens to birds and I'm like I'm having fun over here can't hear you. 
Oh my God. But yeah, I feel like, have you, do you feel like it's something you've known most of your life or has it evolved and changed? This is what made me think of something kind of funny is like, I don't know. I'm not going to say that your parents aren't in therapy, but just like there's a generation where now we're all in therapy. And I'm like, it's crazy <laughs> yeah. that all these boomers are just walking around absolutely <laughs> fucked up. And with it's like trauma. trauma. Yeah. Like, they're all like, sometimes you like hang out with like a group of people like your parents' age and they all talk and you're like, y'all all need, like, y'all all need, I, like, we are so Go lucky that therapy. this is like now something we all do and it's like normalized. Because I'm just like, they all could deal with a little smitter smattering mm-hmm. of therapy at least a couple months. <laughs> Yeah, no, 100%. Um, wait, what was the question again with therapy? I, I, what, what I lost, I got I got caught uh, up in the smitter smatter. Yeah, oh, I sorry. lost it as well. What were we talking I about? I think I just, just fully interrupted everyone. No, it's and fine. Just we were talking about, about loud noise. No, you were saying, like, like, have you known this, like, oh, like your oh, whole yes, life? Yes, or was yes. it through therapy that, like, yeah, just, like, your journey of I mean, discovery. well, I think I think this is, like, common for a lot of people is that you kind of hit rock bottom and you're like, oh, I need, like, actual help. So it's something that I was, like, I, again, like, debilitating anxiety. I'm like, okay, this is when I need to start, like, medication and talk to my doctor and go to a therapist. Um, but, again, talking to a therapist, like, I can now recognize, like, very early signs of, like, experience anxiety that I just hadn't put a name onto when I was younger. Wow. So, like, for example, when I played soccer when I was, like – uh, I don't know, like 10, maybe even younger than that, eight or whatever. Like I would be nervous and anxious about like if there was going to be a bathroom on the soccer field because some of them did, some of them didn't. And like, what if I had to pee? And like the anticipatory anxiety behind that. Wow. And so like I think about that now and I'm like, oh my God, you have been an anxious bitch since day one. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, no, that's ri- that's yeah, really good example. Yeah, you have the words for it. Like I didn't know where I was going to whip my dink out and pee. I wasn't thinking about that. <laughs> Yeah, that's, right, right, right. And so you think back to that and it's like that's not a normal thought for like an eight-year-old to be having. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Greg, it's kind do you of feel like adult and mature in some ways though. But I'm trying to think like that there may be ways that you express anxiety that are just different than Okay, yeah, I shouldn't just paint myself as this like laissez-faire. Like, like, you know like I mean? and not to like, we don't need to like throw so much No, no, there, I want, I kind of like okay, want to join. You on, we want me to read you on the pod? <laughs> yeah, read me. What do you, you probably, you've known me for as long well, as I've okay, known myself. You definitely have anxiety around, it's it's weird because like you 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 gravitate a lot of attention onto yourself, but you also like in other ways hate to have the attention on you, and you um, yeah that's a psycho also, trait. Like to have. You, you have struggled with like vulnerability, so like yes. to me that's a form of anxiety yes. where like if you have to get like connected to someone in a certain kind of way, yeah, I get it makes you really uncomfortable. yeah yeah, and I can relate to the feeling of like losing control, like I can't control it. Like I like right, I have right, certain right. friends who will like look deep in my eyes and like, <laughs> like I don't even like, know I, love like, I don't even know like 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 I always think of like gift giving like I love getting gifts but like you know they're like handing the gift and looking in the eyes and being like yes, I appreciate yes, you yes, I'm yes, like yes, oh, yes. I'm gonna barf and like it's so yes. sad because this is like a beautiful yeah. moment but I'm like I actually am gonna like fart and be like and like hit you in the side of the arm like too hard <laughs> that you like fall over and be like shut up you don't bitch or something like stupid like that <laughs> Um, yeah, so that is it. That's anxiety. I'm like literally sweating. I'm like, okay, wow. Okay. Okay. So that is a form for sure. For sure. The study I have is about social anxiety. Do you feel like you have, like, do you get anxiety around meeting, hanging out with people or meeting people or going to parties? It's so funny because we've hung out at so many like events. That's like, I feel like we've been anxious at, or we can only be, it's like YouTube events. We're a bunch of YouTubers (laughs) in a room. Sorry, but like anxiety sense. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so I'm lucky in that social anxiety is not something that I really, really struggle with because I actually see more like I I understand how that's a little more rational than something that is based in like one specific fear. You know what I mean? Like it makes sense that it's like overwhelming to go in a room of new people Mm -hmm. and like Hmm. you have expectations of like what you should be doing, what you need to be saying, stuff like that. So like I, I always understand a little more because that feels like it and obviously this can happen to an extent where it is not normal and it is something that like should be talked about more um but i'm just lucky in the sense that like i don't have the same level of social anxiety it's more like if i were to walk into a room of people i have more anxiety about knowing where the exit is and knowing where the Mm. bathroom is than actually having conversations right so socially you're like yeah because you are so social and you like you seem super comfortable so it's almost like because going into a situation of new people is sort of causes anxiety for everyone like everyone i think can relate to that it makes it easier for you to deal with because you're kind of like that makes sense but then yeah, when your yeah, anxiety exactly. that that you're speaking about it feels you almost can like tell that it's irrational and it almost makes it like 
worse kind of well yeah 100 because i'm like bitch there like there is going to be a bathroom at a party like there's just no room. and like if you walked in a door there is an exit you know what i mean like it's just like you like that's what's so frustrating is wow. that like my brain has just made these connections wow. that lead to anxiety and panic and you know like a potentially a panic attack but like you you can rationalize it in a different part of your brain. I'm mm-hmm. sure like you guys can break that down, but it, it just you can't you can't alter that like connection that you've created so strong in your mind. Like it takes so like with my therapist, we're doing a lot of um like breaking the links that I've worked so many years to create these irrational right. like kind of like paths that my brain goes from like point A to point B. And so it's it's you know the neuroplasticity yeah, of my totally. brain and being able to rework that. Yeah, Definitely. that's what's also. I'm so happy we also live at a time where they're like, "Oh, your brains aren't set in stone. Like <laughs> yes. you can change them. Like people can have strokes and come back and like literally move their bodies. Whereas before they'd be like, "Oh, sorry, you're actually just not gonna be able to move your arm." <laughs> and it's like then the people just right, accepted right. that. Mm-hmm. Like it's so great that we like your therapist is able to like have that vocabulary and we have that neuroscience now to be like, no, our brains are so much more of a muscle that we can work in a different way. It's like just so, so happy that science has come to a place where we can know that. Right. <laughs> but I'm curious, and it's like, encouraging. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I say it's like encouraging to know that too. Like when you're in therapy, it's nice to know that like when you're doing exercises and working things, it's like you're working towards like feeling like quote unquote getting better is attainable because you know that your brain yeah. can do that. I always say that with therapy because like I go to therapy. I have been for like seven years. I mean, I'm saying here, I don't have a generalized anxiety disorder, but I say it's like, mm. it's like the gym for your mind and your mind is the way you perceive the world. It's way more important than your biceps. Sorry, bros. But like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, if you're going to the gym every day to like get a thick ass, which like I'm trying to do, here comes the summer. It's like, I should spend just as much time trying to make my brain function the best. Like mm-hmm. it can, you know what I mean? Like they're both, they're all, I like to look at them as muscles that you can have neuroplasticity with and you can make a change because it just makes it, it, you know easier to go and not have to always be like oh i have a problem it's like no it's like the gym totally I'm, it's upkeep yeah what were you gonna say though about your study um oh well first i was gonna ask so something that i have experienced through therapy and i'm curious your take on it is whether like do you feel like you can see checkpoints in your life getting getting quote unquote better or do you feel like like what's your because some people say you know mm-hmm. you always, it's almost like being an addict where like you never be, become on that you always kind of deal mm-hmm. with an, a substance addiction for the rest of your life if you've had it and sometimes I wonder like okay is it more about managing the problem or is it is it possible to kind of like move beyond it? And do you have hope for that? And I know like none of us are actually like psychotherapists or professionals. So just this is our anecdotal Mm -hmm. experience, but I'm curious what you think about that. I think both. Like, I think like the goal on a day-to-day basis is managing it, right? So it's like when you're, you know, you're social a few times a week, you work, you have normal like due dates for things that could cause a little bit of stress. So it's navigating just like the day-to-day. But I think there are also like bigger like checkpoints, as you refer to them, that you have more like tools in your tool belt to like get through it. So like most of the times too, traveling will make me feel anxious. But if I've got you know, 10 different techniques that make you feel more in control of your anxiety. Like, I think that helps kind of like get past that checkpoint of being like, okay, I felt anxious, but I knew that was going to happen. And so here are like the 10 different things that like helped manage that anxiety while Mm -hmm. I was like going through that checkpoint. And I think it's also tough. Yeah, to minimize that and make you feel because I mean, so many so much anxiety is rooted in like the need to feel like you're in control. So I feel like when you learn different techniques to like help manage it, it makes it gives you a little bit of sense of control back, um, which can be really motivating. Um, But I also think, too, it's frustrating because like for me, I did a medication switch uh, maybe like three or four months ago. And because I wasn't on the right medication, like I was in such a bad place. And even just being on the right medication, the shift between what I can do and what I can't do is night and day, like literal night and day. So it also comes down to like the chemistry as well. If you're adding or taking things away with different medications that can like have such a hold on making these checkpoints attainable and like the day-to-day management of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Cause like something I find, I, I, yeah, I don't have any personal experience with meds and I have always wondered what that would feel like. And especially, yeah, I've mm-hmm. heard people, people telling me their experience of finally finding the drug that works for them. And like, that must yeah. be a, 
a frustrating experience, I'm sure, but also just like so uncertain when you're not sure. Like, is this working? Like, do I feel better? Am I what? Am I feeling the right oh, things? Yeah. <laughs> like playing with like what does it feel? Yeah, yeah. So and then also yeah. knowing what is the final goal because I think that's where I get stuck in my head is I often feel like. I end up back at the same places over and over and over. And then I, right. I like get down on being like, Oh, I've been like listening to all these like podcasts and listening to all these experts tell me all these tools and tips and stuff. But like, and now, yeah, it's become a lot more around like, so you mean knowing like- it will happen again and then yeah. being prepared as best as you can, but just kind mm-hmm. of seeing it as a cycle. And I, I like having mm-hmm. like back problems has ironically helped me because I realized like as I've started to become more fit and work with people to help me, they were like, you're not probably going to get rid of this, but like we'll minimize right. how often it happens, how bad it happens when it happens and how fast you mm-hmm. recover from it. So you and yeah, like, that's you're a good talking, metaphor. You're talking about like the therapy when you're in it, you sometimes get down on yourself because like when you then like, end up in a bad place again well, you think i like it's not working or something yeah it's not like in the therapy but it's like doing therapy or listening to people talk about like things and yeah like when they're like about like, do journals and i journal for a week and then you stop journaling and then you get sad or you journal for a week oh you journal for a week and nothing happens you're depressed or you're anxious and you're just yeah. like oh i'm doing all this freaking work and nothing's changing and i know yeah. i think if I look hmm. long enough retrospectively, I do think I've changed a lot and grown a lot. But obviously, there's parts of me that I'm like, okay, these are either baked in or just like so learned that I need to like take a long time. It's like fitness where you take like years and years and years to see like true yeah. results if you want. Unless you move to LA and all of a sudden you just get hot somehow. <laughs> Truly, there's something in the LA water. Um, okay, I'll bring up my study. It is more for people who have like social anxiety, which I feel mm-hmm. that I yeah. do. Not, I not know extreme. what I have anxiety. I have FOMO anxiety. Oh yeah, you is have that FOMO. A, is that, so is that a form of social anxiety? It's like I, I think so. If other people are socializing without me, I want to like show up and just like <laughs> kick them. I've loved this pandemic. I'm like all my friends are locked at home legally. Like this has been good for me. <laughs> I'm not missing on a single thing. Yeah, do, you, yeah. do you have FOMO? Um, I have. <laughs> FOMO sometimes, um, but I also am like queen of bailing on things because I get anxious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's sometimes- so But you seem so, okay, now I'm putting things on both of you. Okay, okay. but I, 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 now here's my turn. As someone who has anxiety about FOMO, <laughs> no, but it's like, I feel like you just like, you both like have this like ability to kind of like enjoy your time like at home and like you like build worlds. I just think of your beautiful home and you just seem like you have such a great time there. Like, I don't know. I don't know why. I just feel like you guys don't have FOMO. But But here's the problem is that like I build an incredible space and home for myself because I'm anxious to leave. Like this is my safe space, Mm -hmm. right? So like if I spend so much time at home, like it, I almost think that doing that is detrimental towards my anxiety. Like huh. I should, I should make my space shitty that I don't want to be here to like force <laughs> me out of the house. Wow. Like, that's so interesting. When I, okay. Well, like when I make it so like safe and homey, like obviously that's like the goal. Like you want it to be safe and yeah, homey, yeah. <laughs> but sometimes I feel like it's counterproductive because it's so much fun to just stay at home on my couch and watch a movie. <laughs> But then, so what if there's a group of your friends hanging out? Are you having FOMO or are you more like, my house is so sick? Like, I'm just sitting at home watching a movie. <laughs> um, I go back and forth. And to yeah. be honest, it would really depend on, like, how I'm feeling mentally on the day. Like, if mm. I was feeling really, really good, but I just, like, didn't get an invite, I'd be like, oh, fuck, I'm missing out. Yeah. But, like, if I feel really shitty, I'm, like, so grateful that I'm like, oh, like, I would be, like, socially failing in this situation wow okay that's interesting. yeah i feel that way too like obviously i think everyone feels if you're not invited somewhere that i don't know if that's fomo i feel like that's like you can get hurt by that you know what i mean but that's your, FOMO, that's your hit on your ego yeah exactly mm, but okay. fomo and i think you do have this is when like you could have been somewhere but you for some reason aren't there maybe you had two obligations. Oh yeah and then it's all not like, like you weren't invited and then you're like i could be at the beach with my friends i'm gonna go insane yeah yeah or i'm like it's like yeah i'm happy to be at home yeah yeah it's so weird it's it's so and it's like it's not like it's something that like it's only like while it's happening like I don't like it's right. a weird thing where like the next day like I don't actually like it's not like I look back on like my let's use the beach as an example I was like that was the best day at the beach I was like oh it's a day at the beach right. like it's so weird it's like I, the next day if I wake up and say like all of my friends were at the beach and I wasn't I won't care then yeah like that's it's, fair. it's like I, a weird like in the moment thing i have the opposite problem like i don't go to the beach because i'm like it's just a day at the beach and then i never go and then i'm like yeah. oh fuck i guess i probably should have gone to like one day at the beach. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man. But, but okay. this is social anxiety for people who social don't want to go okay. to the beach. So basically I'll try and sum this up quickly. It was like a really cool study, but basically people who have social anxiety in previous studies, they realized through like brain scans and surveys that they are way faster to interpret body language cues and dialogue mm. as negative, even when they're not. Um, and like mm. literally like firing in their brain. So something that somebody would say that's innocuous, not rude, not geared or anything like that, they would pick it up. So this study tried to look mm. at faces specifically. And they basically got people who were anxious and people who weren't and were comparing them with controls and would change a face morphing from happy and then they would like do a face swap to it being like angry or upset or sad and like see what would happen and it was the, the people who have higher legal levels of social anxiety would shift way faster to recognizing the negative emotion wow so, and I, wow. I relate to this because i think i i also overthink i think it's like in some ways i i think it's a skill because sometimes understanding mm-hmm. how other people think and feel is like very very useful and like in so many assets of life like being able to know when somebody has like the slightest bit of resentment in their voice or doesn't oh my god yeah that makes me like that just made me anxious thinking about that i'm like oh my god they hate me they hate me they hate me exactly like i feel like and there's been times that self-perpetuated for myself like i'll say to greg like i'm pretty sure that person xyz didn't want to do that and you're like no it was fine and then later we'll find out like okay they clearly didn't i was like see like i knew that little <laughs> twinkle in their eye was that mm-hmm. thing um but then i am just like i definitely that overplays itself for me all the time where every day i'm over analyzing things i don't like think people hate me but i think i like overly read into and that that's yeah intent. that's such a good study because it's so interesting because it takes the joy out of socializing if mm-hmm. you're able to like <laughs> really pick up on the negative energy of people quite easily it's a yeah. good thing in some cases but it also takes the joy out of socializing Mm -hmm. when a bit of negative energy is in any specific space like that's going to be inevitable Mm -hmm. if that's something you can pick up on and focus on really easily it's going to make it like like just like amplified (laughs) right 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 um also like medication wise uh like so i was on an ssri so like the serotonin uh serotonin Reuptake inhibitor. Reup inhibitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second S. Oh, yeah. What is a second S? Selective yeah, serotonin reuptake. Oh, selective. Yeah. Because it's not it all serotonin. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I was on serot- uh, an SSRI for like nine years. And so because my body, like, obviously started growing an intolerance to it, like, after nine years, I kind of maxed out the dosage. Um, I tried just like a different SSRI. It wasn't right for me, it wasn't the right fit. And my doctor referred me to a psychiatrist who was able to like kind of do this like brain test where they were able to kind of measure where I have um, like deficiencies. So I did a test that basically told me that my- Were you like wearing something on your brain or how did they test you? No, it was uh, saliva, blood, and I think. Okay, so they were just like analyzing what's in your body, what's going on. Yeah, 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 what's going on, right? So then I, they were just like, oh, like you're, you metabolize serotonin at like a crazy, crazy pace. So like an SSRI is probably not the best fit for you. Wow. Um, and they were like, okay, you've got two major channels in your brain where things happen. It was a sodium channel and a calcium channel. Yeah. And chemistry so like, major. Yes, there is. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, this is how many brain problems I have that I'm like, show me the science. <laughs> Wait, this is so cool. And, keep going. And so, like, essentially, there's two channels that are supposed to be, like, a certain size, right? And so my channels were both fucking wide open and shit is just, like, banging. It's, like, just flying through it. So, like, my brain... That's why, like, I always feel it because I describe to my therapist is, like, I feel like my brain is moving at, like, a 1,000 miles per hour of every minute of the day. And so they were, like, okay, well, you should do this test. Like, that'll really confirm, like, what's going on. And so, like, a lot of the times there'll be, um, like, a deficiency or... Also, the word is not defect, because that feels too negative. But what if they <laughs> like describe intense. it? Like that feels like like you're broken. So that you're, feels right. like it's like broken. the ion channels in your brain are like big. more reactive, and so you're like shooting out yes. more. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I tried uh, a medication approach where they tried to just like lower the overactivity in my brain. So it's called gabapentin, and then also lower my heart rate. So tried to like approach it from that angle. Didn't wow. work for me. Didn't love it. Didn't work. Uh, but you know what it was is that it made me feel a little bit too uh, d- 
dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah and I think that's yeah. a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of comedians yeah. who are like, you know, they're like, my job is to be funny, but I'm depressed. And then they go on that and they're like, well, I'm not even like able to be myself in a way. And it gets scary. Right, 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 right. And so what I will say about SSRIs, because I give this uh, advice to so many friends who are, um, you know, like a little nervous to start something like that, is that it doesn't typically cause like a major personality shift. Like a lot of the times and how so I describe it is that like if the sun is happiness and therapy and all of the good things, but your anxiety is like a cloud cover. For me, an SSRI just helped like clear that so that I could see more clearly. I could like receive the therapy and like really um, take it in and use that to like help me manage my anxiety. Hmm. And it's something too that happens so over time. So like you don't really notice that things are different until you get three months into and you're like, oh my God, like I've done so many things that like I wasn't able to do three months ago. And so it's not something that just like punches you in the face and you're like, oh, I'm not funny. I'm devoid of personality now. Um, and so anyway, so I ended up switching over to an SNRI. So norepinephrine, I think is the N. Selective serotonin. And- oh, wait, I just, I wrote something about that. Selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you. We get a fact checker over here. Welcome to the ASAP Science Podcast, hosted by yourself, myself, Lore Science. Now there we go, Lore Science. We got to give you that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. So you're on SNRI. Right. Right. So then I felt that when I came off uh, the serotonin portion of it, that I was struggling with depression. So even though it might not have been attacking my anxiety in the right way, like it was obviously managing the depression side of like mental health. And so the norepinephrine um, was explained to me as if it lowers the fight or flight reaction Hmm. that comes with anxiety a lot of times. So, I mean, I've had a great time on an SNRI, but it took a year's worth of like really, really rough struggles of transitioning to find the right medication. Wow. That's such an important story. That's so interesting. really good advice very personal and like and it's it's intense for someone's first time going into like it's nice to hear somebody else describe it and be like Mm. like the not that it's just been a positive experience but anytime any even trying like a new like trying marijuana for the first time or trying anything you're like taking that leap is really scary because you're like i actually just have no reference point of what it feels like and and I think oftentimes with any kind of medication, people kind of picture that immediate, oh my God, is it going to change me completely? But it's like totally. so much more nuanced than that. And especially with modern day science, it's like it's hopefully able to allow you to just thrive in life and, and minimize those those bad parts. Yeah, absolutely. Does anyone use like Calm app or any of those like anxiety app things? Like I don't. I, I have before. Personally though, like I find... There's like this one breathing app where it's much more, and like I'm a very, I'm like a highly visual person. And so maybe this is why it's more effective for me, but it's one of those apps where it's like you breathe along with like, if there's like a little blob, it like expands while you breathe in and comes down. So it helps you control. Yeah. Cause like I can be someone who like goes into hyperventilation when I'm having a panic attack. Mm, And so So this just like forces you to be mindful of like your breathing pace so that you can get more air to like your brain to come out of it. That reminds me so much. There's a game, if you have a Switch, or it might be on other platforms, called Celeste, and it's about a character that has anxiety, and you are that character going through all these obstacles and challenges, and one of them, like, in the middle of a fight, you, like, have to focus on this feather and, like, play the game by, like, moving your hands, and it's, like, so calming. Cool. It's honestly one of the best games I've ever played. I think it was rated the best game of last year, so if you like video games, <laughs> Mitch is a gamer, spelled I'm G-A-Y-M-E-R. <laughs> No, that's cool because, okay, I was reading a study about how those Calm and, like, Mindscape apps, only 3.9% of people make it past one month. Hmm. And that doctors oh. who have, like, severe anxiety and burnout actually really benefit from these apps. But they all, I think it was almost, like, it got even lower after three months. So there's, like, these apps, they find work, but people like don't. retention. They're, they're trying to figure out how to create financial incentives and, like, like uh, in my head, I was like, Candy Crush fine. Like, like, how do you like make the app? Because that's what they're realizing. They're like, it actually works. Yeah. But right. there's like, I mean, like, obviously this isn't sponsored by Com. They don't want people to know this. But like in general, <laughs> people are buying it and then and like just stop out. using it. And it's like they're, they don't, they haven't figured out how to create a longevity with them that actually works. Right. Even though right. like based on initial studies, like really intense stressed out doctors who use it do have less stress but then they just stop using it so i didn't know like so we've none of us here have used it okay interesting i've used it like a few times i mean the hardest part is that things that you have to like really 
take a chunk of time out of your day, even if it's just like 15 minutes. I know, exactly. Like, there usually isn't any kind of like drastic payoff. And I feel like when you commit yourself to one of those things, you're like, oh, why don't I feel like completely peaceful and zen yeah, after Yeah, this? exactly. And you're like on your phone or something. I'm like, I feel like that's the wrong place to have the app. <sighs> right or like i when i i have a like a really hard time shutting my brain brain off to like the level that they want you to and so they always say like oh just like follow your thoughts as this happens but sometimes i'll zone out so hard that i've already planned the next two hours of my day with a to-do list <laughs> and you're like oh, you know what i mean so like so it's just not for me it's just not for me yeah the my, calm my... app is actually your like list and notes app. <laughs> like secretly like, you just go through all your anxieties <laughs> yeah my take on that is that there will always be i find it useful and i think I've, as i've aged i've realized you kind of have to go with the flow that there's always kind of different tactics and new things that come mm. into your life. So you might use Calm for a month and it might work for a month and it's okay if after a month you're bored and you kind of need something else. And I feel like that's just the evolution of like, there's something called hedonic adaptation where you just get so used to like, you know, buying a fancy car is so exciting at first and then it just becomes so normal. Yeah, there's hedonic adaptation right. to our anxieties. I think there is. Yeah. So I think it's just like, you also for the mechanisms and tactics to help you with anxiety. Yeah. So like mm -hmm. sometimes I get frustrated because I'm like, oh, this was working, but now I don't use it anymore. Why did I stop? And it's like, okay, it's time to find the new one that gets you excited and motivated. And that's like my better. therapist for FOMO. Whenever we talk about it, she's like, so you got some sort of FOMO every once in a while. I'm like, I know, but like, let's fix it. And like, it's just like one of those I things where her that part of therapy. Yeah, she, like, they're like, well, like it's not fix it. Like, so what? You got a bit of FOMO and you're just like, isn't that bad? They're like, well, not really. Like, it's just like, what I like that part of therapy where they're like, that's life. And you're like, I guess that's life. Like, I can't be like, my therapist, perfect. he literally says they're like, okay, so what if, and they're like, now what? And I'm like, you tell me what, now yeah, what? Now what I'm happens? Here. I'm paying you. you. You get the what if all the time. Uh, always yeah. and then it goes and and then what if and then you answer and then what, and yeah. what if and you're like okay well fine when you put it that way i guess <laughs> yeah. it's not that big a deal but <laughs> oh my god well thank you so much for coming on the pod lauren i feel like this has been probably so helpful to so many people listening it's just nice to talk about it openly and honestly and um yeah where can people find you obviously all over the internet but what, what on you, hbo freaking max you got a podcast as well <laughs> oh yeah shout out your pod uh, so the pod that I do is Wild Till Nine, uh, co-hosted by my boyfriend. It is um, much more vulgar and less informative. You know, it's a different kind of education. It's a different. <laughs> yeah, kind are you of, kidding? It's for a cultural sure. life yeah. education. Yes. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a yeah more of a cultural sex dating relationship podcast. Um, but no, it's a good time. And then just like YouTube and TikTok and all the social media platforms. Yes, absolutely. TikTok. Well, TikTok. That's where TikTok. consuming all our time. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Speaking of anxiety, it's like that's what I get anxiety. It's like when I've been on TikTok for an hour and I throw my phone. I'm like, where did the time just go? I'm like genuinely, oh my god, it's like crack. It is literally like crack, and then I'm like, what like what did I get from that? Like <laughs> Truly nothing. I know there's so many times where I'm like, oh, Greg, I learned this cool thing on TikTok. And I'm like, I do not remember it at all. I start to tell it and I'm like, I actually fully forget it because it's yeah, like it's a so funny band. to watch you just be like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, it was a TikTok. And then we just like move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank, thank you. So we love you. On. We miss you. Come back to Toronto soon. Please. I know. Love you. Miss you. Come to LA soon. We will. Once the restrictions left, we'll come visit. <laughs> I think it's actually safer to be here than it now. is to be in Ontario yeah. right now. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. You guys well, maybe finally time. in the right direction, but yeah, once it's uh once the first snowdrop falls here, we'll come visit. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Okay, okay, thanks guys. See ya. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.